0: Welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. It's just an awesome privilege to be able to share uh, out of the word of the Lord with you guys this morning and to address some of the issues that we are facing as a nation. Currently, so a few weeks ago, I did a one-off message called Jesus Centric, and it was all about how to have Jesus at the center of our lives during times of shaking, during times of upheaval, and I purposely made it a little bit ambiguous. I sort of made a bit of a challenge to myself not to use the word vaccination at all during that whole entire message, and I did it. I was so proud of myself. Um, because I knew back then, whatever I said, there was going to be someone somewhere that I upset. And uh, uh, then we've progressed a few weeks, and if anything, times have become a lot more challenging. So I've decided to turn Jesus-centric into a series. So this is part two this morning, how to remain with Jesus at the center, how to remain victorious as believers during these times of incredible challenges. Um, in New Zealand. So I am going to be a little bit more blunt, uh, just a little bit. Um, and forgive me if you disagree with me or you, you're you fully allowed to. Please just don't hate me for it. I'm trying the best I can. It is a huge uh, challenge. And myself and Christy and uh, on behalf of our oversight team, we want to acknowledge those of you that right now it is extremely extremely difficult, especially those that are in the education sector and those that are in the house sector, those that are in the retail sector, um, board of trustees people um, it's just an incredibly hard time and our hearts, as your church leaders, so go out to you. We've never come across this sort of thing before, and our hearts are breaking for yours. Um, whether we agree or disagree, uh, our personal conviction, that's beside the point. As a church, uh, we want to stay united through this, um, but it's a huge challenge. Every pastor I've talked to, and I've been talking to a lot lately, uh, this is constantly on our on our minds. We, we, we're A lot of us, we're waking up in the middle of the night, and this is on our minds. Minds, where we're praying so much, oversight teams are getting together. Um, So, first of all, I just want to acknowledge uh, that our hearts go out to everyone. This is a difficult time. Um, Secondly, I do ask you, as our church family, please pray for us, pastors. Uh, because it is, how do you lead a church? It's like you you feel, say, yes to the call of God, and you think you're going to be leading people to Jesus, and everyone's going to love you, and churches are going to be amazing. And and then this happens, um, and every pastor I know is feeling it. Every pastor I know, large church or small church, um, and oversight teams, they are feeling this burden considerably. Why is it such a challenge for us? And I'm just making this a little bit localized here for a new church a, there are those in our Renew Church family that are thanking God for the vaccine, that the vaccine has been a huge answer to prayer. But on the flip side, there are those of our Renew Church family that believe the complete opposite, that the vaccine is anything but an answer to prayer. There are those in our Renew Church family that think the government mandates are justified. There are those in our Renew Church family that believe the mandates are a criminal violation of our rights. There are those in our renewed church family uh, that will no longer attend church services because of the health risk. Uh, there are those in our renewed church family that have left our church because we are not standing against the government. Um, this is an interesting time. But the church is God's plan A for planet earth in 2021. So I've got incredible hope and incredible um, passion uh, for the church and for what um, is possible during this time. And I do want to also acknowledge that there are those of you that are frustrated because I haven't come out more blatantly and said, this is where our church stands on this issue. Um, And I'm probably you're probably still going to be disappointed at the end of this this message. Um, why are we taking our time? Because we have got time. The traffic lights um, scenario won't kick in in Whangarei for uh, many weeks yet, and that's the best case scenario for that. Uh, but we are absolutely praying hard as, as pastors and as an oversight team. We are talking hard. I'm ringing pastors all over the place, um, large church, campus church pastors, um, smaller church pastors. We, we are talking. We are praying. Um, been emailing our external advisors. I'm doing, I'm asking everyone I can. So I can promise you today that we are praying. Um, that we are gathering as much information. We're getting counsel from wise, credible people, um, and we have time to do this the best we can, make the the best of a very challenging situation. With all of that, this is my heart that Renew Church is an outward-focused church. How best can we seek and save the lost and make disciples of Jesus in 2021 and 2022? Oh, so I was telling Christy, this, this message is either gonna crash and burn big time or everyone's just gonna be really uplifted, so... Um, And James 1 verse 2 to 4, just want to remind you of this. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulty, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up in you the power of endurance. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking right now. We have the opportunity as individuals, as Renew Church, to, to become more mature, to put into practice every single um, sermon we've ever heard on uh, being encouraged and standing firm and having deep roots, all of those things. Uh, we can be authentic in our Christian walk right now. We have that opportunity. But on the flip side of that, we've, we've gotta be real and authentic with ourselves because you don't really know what's in my heart. I don't really know unless I'm placed in a time of shaking, of upheaval, and then what is on the inside of my heart comes out, and then I can see the real state of my heart. I loved the video that Eddie played last week of um, you know, people that are struggling through life and what we look like in the inside is sometimes very ugly. That's why we absolutely need Jesus to regenerate and recreate it in us uh, as a new creation. So in times of shaking, you can have a bucket of water. You will not know what's in that bucket of water and until it's shaken, then what's on the inside spills out. I do think in this time, there is a lot of fear uh, that's being exposed in people's lives. Uh, the shallowness of some of our faith is being exposed and also uh, rebellious hearts are being exposed as well. Um, but again, we can use this time to, to come before God, to, to to give our lives afresh to God and say, Jesus, this is the state of my heart. Please come and, and heal me. I repent, I ask for your forgiveness. Create in me a clean heart. So we can make the most of this opportunity. That's my introduction. I want to talk about 1 Peter. And 1 Peter in the Bible is an incredible book. It's written to the non-Jewish, the Gentile believers, in a time where there was so much persecution, there was so much shaking, there was so much upheaval, um, there was an ungodly government, and these these Christians were were struggling with how to, to live in that uh, atmosphere, in, in that Culture very very similar to us, and Peter writes an incredible book. Please read it for homework. First Peter, um, how to he gives some real practical advice how to live as triumphant believers during times when there is a lot of disagreement, there is a lot of division, uh, there is a, a lot of persecution, um, and in a, a culture and society and a government that is uh, ungodly and anti. Christians. So please read that for homework. I just want to read um, one verse, and this is a preacher's dream verse because it's got four points in the one verse. So it's just like your sermon outline right there. 1 Peter 2.17. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Remember, this is written to believers in a situation very similar to to the situation that we're facing. Obviously a different era, different time, different country, but some of the same challenges. Absolutely, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. So point number one, show proper respect to everyone. Respect means a feeling of deep admiration for someone. Respect a feeling of deep admiration for someone. Not just having a deep admiration for someone who agrees with you, but having a deep admiration for people that disagree with you. David Willis puts it this way. One of the truest signs of maturity is the ability to disagree with someone while still remaining respectful. One of the truest signs of maturity is the ability to disagree with someone while still remaining respectful. Respect for what we are seeing, however, in this time and in, in this climate, we're thinking that if someone disagrees with us, then that is license for us to disrespect that person. We're never given that, that choice as believers. Absolutely not. What does it say? Show proper respect to only the people that agree with you. Show proper respect to everyone. As Jesus followers, we are called and even commanded to to respect all people, to have deep admiration for those, people that even disagree with you. And if ever there was an opportunity to put that into practice, it's right now. We are not to judge or treat those who disagree with us with contempt. We don't have the right to dictate to others what to believe. Now, I've had quite a lot of conversations with people um, last week or two and conversations with people that um, I, I disagree with their stance, but because we are both brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, there has been so much love there and I come away thinking, man, I disagree with you completely, but I'm gonna fight for you. It's just, that's, what we should, that's the attitude we should be having as brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, because for some people, and this has been very polarizing, Um, whichever you agree and disagree with about vaccinations, uh, it's a personal conviction. People feel very strongly about this, and they've sought God. And for them, uh, they are taking the best course of action that they believe is right before God. And I cannot, as a disciple of Christ, tell them, well, you're wrong because I disagree with you. It's a personal conviction. And I shared Was it last year? I can't remember. A whole series on navigating the grey. I do believe that this vaccination is a grey area. And each one of us have to come before God um, sincerely and passionately and and seek His face and seek His will and seek wisdom and seek wise counsel. But I'm not going to tell you what to do. Um, If you ask me, I might give you an opinion. But at the end of the day, it's it's up to ourselves and our personal relationship with God. I think it's very similar to alcohol. There are people in our church whanau that believe that drinking any sort of alcohol is an absolute sin. Um, There are people in our church family that believe that alcohol in moderation is fine because we see that in the Word of God. For those that believe that alcohol is sin, you cannot go to someone who believes it's okay to drink in moderation and say it's a sin for you to drink alcohol. And likewise, it would be wrong for that person who believes in drinking alcohol in moderation to go to someone who believes it's sin and say, no, it's not a sin, come on, have a beer with me. We cannot do that. It's personal conviction. We dare not force our opinion on other people. Show proper respect Everyone. Romans 14, 14, I'm convinced being fully persuaded in the Lord that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. Verse 8, as this is just preceding that. If we live, it's to honour the Lord. If we die, it's to honour the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be the Lord both of the living and the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account of God to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Show proper respect to everyone. Again, I wanna say it quite strongly, there are some Christians that are behaving incredibly badly right now. Stop it. Number two, love the family of believers. <laughs> love the family of believers. So remember, this is 1 uh, Peter, he's talking to, about to Christians how to live in a culture very similar uh, to, to what we're facing. First one is show proper respect to everyone. Number two, love the family of believers. Love your church whanau. What, what's a, a healthy, functional family do? How do they, they live? They love spending time together. They uphold one another. They defend each other. Yes, there are fights. Yeah, there are arguments, but um, based on our family life, you know, those arguments are pretty fleeting. And then you love each other pretty quickly after that. You do things to, to, together. You share, you serve, you do chores. It's, it's a healthy, functional family. During this time, we can still always remain functional and healthy as a church Family show uh, sorry, love the family of believers. Um, whether you think that we're in the end times or not it, it's completely up to you, but there is a verse in there about that that says the love of most will grow cold and and that's what I think we're seeing uh, a lot of a lot of people their love for the church um, is just growing cold and and we dare not compromise, and think that church is no big deal anymore. Uh, I think we need to fight for, for church. Um, we need to fight for gathering together. We need to fight for, even if it's not in person, online, and, and not neglect the gathering together of the saints. Love the family of believers. John 13, 34 to 35. So I give you now a new commandment, says Jesus. Love each other just as much as I have loved you for when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another everyone will know that you are my true followers the one characteristic of believers that will make the biggest impact in the world is our genuine love for one another our genuine love so number 1 show proper respect to everyone and then love the family of believers. You know, give into the family of believers. I know a pastor in Fiji, and um, there's, there's not a lot of money to go around over there at the moment. But, so his kids are working jobs and earning extra money so that their dad can continue pastoring. Sacrificing. Uh, for their family and for the family of believers. And um, no, there are those that have legitimate reasons uh, not to attend at the moment, Um, and and a lot of people in our service teams are choosing not to attend. Um, If you are passionate about uh, Renew Church, there are a a lot of spaces uh, to serve. We need people on service teams. So there are connect cards, go to the info desk. That would be a huge blessing to to love the body of, of Renew Church. Uh, the body of Christ. Um, if you attend here in that way, number three, fear God, which is a, a a topic that we hardly hear about these days. Remember again, Peter's talking to the Christians in a very volatile situation with persecution and an ungodly government. Very, very similar. To our situation now. And, and how do we stay strong? And how, how do we stay flourishing? First of all, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. And he puts something that may seem a little out of place, but it's not at all. Fear God. What does it really mean? To fear God. The fear of God definitely does not mean to be scared of God. Like he's some angry, volatile, unpredictable, loose cannon. And uh, there are those people that, you know, that they are so afraid of God because they, maybe it's been, um, they, they've, I guess, had an, an ungodly father themselves who's been harsh and unpredictable. Uh, and so they, they project that onto our heavenly father. Um, and, you know, church history is a strange thing. We, we go from extremes and um, there's been a lot of judgment and punishment over the years and that's swung into um, probably our recent decades of God is loving and caring but I think um, he is but we've got to have a healthy fear of what is a healthy fear of God what does it even mean to fear God I don't think I think the fear of God also does not mean just to have a healthy respect of a loving God as well I think it's, it's deeper than that So this is just my take on it. It comes from Hebrews 12, verse 28 and 29. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So worship God with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Fire is powerful. But... As, as parents, we, we shouldn't teach our kids that, that fire is to be feared, that you've got to be terrified of fire because of its power. If we did that, then just imagine how our kids would feel on their fifth birthday and you bring out a cape with, with candles and fire on it. They would freak out. It's like, what's this? They'd be terrified. Or coming along to someone's house and it's winter and they've got a blazing fire in, in their dining room, in their, in their living room, and then you'd be terrified. It's not being terrified of God. But I believe having a healthy fear of God is understanding that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present. He's, he's all powerful, all knowing, ever present. He's all of that. He is very, very loving, but he will judge sin. And we have to understand that. And um, the lion, the witch in the wardrobe, they said about Aslan, who was a type of Christ, he is not a tame lion. He's not a tame lion. So we are to fear the Lord not because we're scared of him but because of his power and response to sin. To fear the Lord is to revere God because of his character and worship him in awe because of his love. In Luke 12 verse 4 to 5. I've, I've never heard this preached in my living memory. I want to I speak it today. Listen my beloved friends. Don't fear those who may want to take your life but can do nothing more. It's true that they may kill your body, but they have no power over your soul. The one you must fear is God, for he has both the power to take your life and the authority to cast your soul into hell. Yes, the only one you need to fear is God. You know, when uh, God was showing his power to the Israelites back in the Old Testament, and there was fire and earthquakes on Mount Sinai, and, and Moses said that God has revealed himself in this way, Uh, so that you would have a healthy fear of God and that would keep you from sinning. I think a healthy fear of God keeps us from sinning. Especially in this time, we should be thinking twice about speaking against our brothers and sisters. We should be thinking twice about speaking against the government. We should be thinking twice about spreading gossip online. We should be thinking twice about our attitude if we have a healthy fear of God. Number four, honor the emperor. Honor the emperor. We talked about respect before, which is this deep admiration. Honoring is defined as high respect. So higher than deep admiration, to honor someone is is so much more than just to respect them. And here's Peter instructing all the Christians to honor the emperor. You know who the emperor was uh, when Peter was writing this? Nero, Nero. Nero was the very personification of uh, personification of evil. He was a wicked, wicked leader. He killed his mother-in-law, or was it his own mother, and his first wife. He hated Christians. There was a fire. Some people believe that it was Nero that caused the fire, but he blamed the Christians, gathered all the Christians up, and set them up on lampposts, and the Christians were the lamps, set them on fire to, to light the streets of Jerusalem. He put Christians into uh, skins of animals and set wild animals upon him. If there was ever, any, uh, ever a wicked, wicked leader, it was Nero and Peter is encouraging and commanding the Christians to give this person high respect. I don't know if there is a, a scale of wickedness of leaders, but Nero is right up here. I don't think Jacinta Ardern is anywhere near Nero. Honor the Emperor. First Timothy 2:1 to 4. I urge you first of all to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. So that's how we should be praying. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf. So if they're not praying, pray on behalf of them. Give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Saviour who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Pray in this way for Jacinda Ardern. Now I, I was talking to a pastor this week and he was praying for the government during his church service last Sunday and people walked out upset because he was praying for Jacinda And yet we see right throughout the Bible, we are called to honour and respect. To respect someone and to honour someone does not mean that you agree with them. I personally, and this is a personal belief, I think the mandates are very, very heavy-handed. You know, if I was Prime Minister, I wouldn't be doing it that way. So it's okay to disagree, but it's not okay to dishonour. See, we are to bless, I mean, you know, how many of us have been prime minister? How many of us have, have understand the pressures? You know, I, I understand what it's like to lead a small church and the pressures and the stresses are, are huge. And I, I assume that Jacinda hasn't got a close relationship with God. So even trying to lead a country without grace, without the power of the Holy Spirit, would be near impossible. And we as believers are called to pray for our civil leaders. We're not called to agree with them. But we are called to pray for them. And there's a whole other sermon I want to preach sometime in Romans 13 uh, about all of this. But I do want to say this in, in passing. I won't be able to give it justice this morning. But is there a place for civil disobedience? We see in the Bible, absolutely. The apostles, apostles preached, even though the authorities told them that they shouldn't. Daniel, right after the law was made not to pray, he continued praying. Um, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego when they were told to worship an idol um, they didn't bow down and worship the idol personally again and this is my personal opinion, I don't think New Zealand has crossed a line where the gospel is being directly challenged and violated yet but that's my personal opinion some believe absolutely our civil rights have been violated you know last week Eddie preached an incredible message and he preached out and he uh, quoted the Passion Translation. And he said, You know, if you guys disagree with the Passion Translation, just take it up with Simon. <laughs> I was talking to Eddie this week, and Eddie was saying, Simon, as believers, do we really have rights anymore? If we've given our whole lives to Jesus, he's got a point. And if you've got a problem with that, take it up with Eddie after the service. <laughs> So, yes, civil disobedience, all of that. um, Again, another sermon for another time. So in conclusion, and again, talking about rights and citizenship and all of that, um, I want to say, remember where your home is. We We are citizens of heaven. First and foremost, obviously we're citizens of New Zealand. But as believers... More importantly, we are citizens of heaven. Ephesians 3 verse 20. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are heaven bound. Heaven is our home. Just imagine that. We are citizens of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, that is so exciting we're running our race towards the finish line and I think during this time unfortunately we are more consumed with being citizens of New Zealand than we are understanding the concept and the truth that we're citizens of heaven because when we truly are citizens of heaven it does change the way we think about this so in conclusion and we're going to take communion soon going to get a couple of the oversight team guys to come up and I'll tell you when that is I want to talk about the Moravian Christians who was around in like the 1700s. And they started a prayer meeting that lasted hundreds of years. I don't know if it's even still going. And, and I think there are only like about 600 people or so, very small. Um, but most of them left everything and went onto the mission field. It's an incredible story. Moravia is like modern day Czechoslovakia. I just want to read this story because it just, it really, really challenges me. Two young Moravians heard of an island in the West Indies where an atheist British owner had up to 3,000 slaves. And the owner had said, no preacher, no clergyman will ever stay on this island. If he's shipwrecked, we will keep him in a separate house until he has to leave. But he's never going to talk to any of us or my slaves about God. I'm through with all of that nonsense. 3,000 slaves from the jungles of Africa brought to an island in the Atlantic and there to live and die without hearing about Christ. Two young Germans in their 20s from the Moravians heard about their plight. They sold themselves to the British planter for the standard price of a male slave and used the money they received for their sale to purchase passage to the West Indies. (laughs) The Moravian community came to see the two lads off who would never again return, having freely sold themselves into a lifetime of slavery. As a member of the slave community, they would witness as Christians to the love of God. Family members were emotional, weeping. Was their extreme sacrifice wise? Was it necessary? As the ship slipped away with the tide and the gap widened, the young men saw the widening gap. They linked arms, raised their hands, and shouted across the spreading gap, May the Lamb that was slain receive the reward for their suffering. Now that just blows my mind as a as a pastor, as a Christian, that these two young guys sacrificed everything they they saw this opportunity of of three thousand slaves that would never ever hear the gospel. And because they were citizens in heaven, they gave up all their rights for the sake of the gospel. And their passion, their motivation, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward for his suffering. See, it was the call that drove them. It was their citizenship in heaven that caused them to do this. They realised a couple of thousand years before, ago that, that Jesus was praying to His Father, God, if this is at all possible, take this cup of suffering from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but Yours be done, God. If this is the only way that people are gonna have a chance to be redeemed and to be, be forgiven, then I'm gonna go through this. And these young Moravians, a couple of thousand years later, say, I, I wanna be the answer to Jesus' prayer. I I wanna be the answer to the joy that was set before Jesus. People being saved and set free and and having the opportunity to to be saved from hell and to go to heaven. They were willing to to make some radical decisions. I'm not asking you to to do anything other than follow your your strong conviction this morning. And And I know that there are different convictions in this place. I am asking us to sacrifice Our whole lives for Jesus, because that's the least we can do. Because what did Jesus do for us? The same thing. And to live a life worthy of being citizens in heaven, first and foremost. Knowing that we've been chosen for this time. God doesn't make accidents. This wasn't a surprise. No, God didn't wake up last year and think, whoa, what's this COVID thing? He's chosen us for this time. The church is his plan A. We are called to be salt and light. He knows what he's doing. If we do this well, and if we live for Jesus well, and if we are disciples of Christ well, then the church will flourish. People out there who were called to help and, and, and introduce to Jesus, they will be impacted. So in my times where I'm a little bit wobbly in this, I'm finding that peace in Jesus. I'm keeping that peace in Jesus and I'm trusting in Jesus. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.